All right, everybody, welcome back to the World on Drugs Pod. I'm your boy, your man, your guide, your spiritual sheriff along this psychopath highway that we're on, Steve Fury. We got another banger for you, folks. Who do we got this one? We finally did it. Y'all thought I was never going to do it. Y'all thought I would never put out the Varios Hawaiian Gardens episode. Y'all thought I would never get some real-life law enforcement on this. Y'all thought we'd never actually be in the Comedy Store Studios. Well, guess what? Y'all were probably going to be right, honestly. But it worked out in my favor this time, babies, because we got the episode. And this one is a what, folks? Say it with me. Pop, 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 pop. Banger, folks. We got my guy, Officer Gannon. You know it's a good episode because we got my guy, Dr. Joe Hoffswell. Steve, how many guys you got in the first two minutes? I got all of them. Everyone's my guy. They've been my guy. And I'm not going to stop making them my guy. Guess what, guy? You listening? You're my fucking guy. Even if you're a lady, this is the proverbial guy of the universe. The man, the human being. Um, Yeah, this one was done by Dr. Joe Hoffswell, and it is a banger folks love this episode uh we do a deep dive into you know we've just been talking about it for so long it's so funny that it uh finally happened so let's do a little bit uh, a little bit of a little synopsis for that what for that ass i'll be talking about the vario hawaiian garden gang and no they're not in hawaii they're in a small town just south of la to be honest not even south of la they're in motherfucking la they have a long history and played a key part in forming the mexican mafia prison gang through the 90s and 2000s they committed numerous hate crimes and have been classified as a hate gang for their deliberate targeting of african americans they stick to their territory and have never formed cliques outside of hawaiian gardens i mean did you see that right there folks they started la m a Who's giving you that, folks? Who's giving you that? Who's giving you how La M.A. started? And uh, if you don't, that's the Mexican Mafia. It's the prison gang. It's probably the most powerful prison gang in the world. And you're going to learn on this one, even the guards are scared of them, folks. Everyone's scared. Why? Because they can touch you. They can touch you at anywhere. And I don't mean fun little doodles. I mean murder you and murder your family. Um, who do we got on this podcast as the guest? Officer Gannon. How do I know him? This son of a bitch arrested me back in 1996 for a DUI. No, um, he's actually, what is it, a cousin-in-law? He married my cousin, Amanda Fury. Um, I have a few cops in my family. I have multiple uh, nurses in my family. Very blue-collar, great family I'm happy a part of. Um, first time I ever met Gannon? Good God. Five years ago? Uh, we were hunting down the serial killer known as the Nomad Chikatilo. Um, and we found him. And he and I worked together as a sort of, uh, you know, me as a private investigator slash comedian, him as a law enforcement officer. No, I think she, uh, Amanda brought him to one of the Christmases a long time ago. And he's always been a cool guy, you know. Um, did I participate in a lot of the uh, protests that happened this year? Yes. But does that mean I hate all police? Not even close, folks. I love a lot of police. I just think just like in any in any job, there's some guys that are fucking it up for everybody else. Like, for instance, I used to work for the government in Sacramento, CalPERS, California Public Employee Retirement System. Everyone shits on them and says they're lazy. Are they? You know, more often than not, yeah, they're pretty lazy. But the guys that are really lazy are few and far between, but they fuck up the bell curve. You guys remember bell curves? That was the one when you were in middle school and that one kid tried to get an A even though everyone was like, yo, if we all just get C's, we all get A's. If you don't understand that, you weren't in school in the 2000s. Um, 
yeah, so Gannon and me, friends, l luckily he hopped into this one. What are his qualifications? He says them in this, but he worked as an L.A. County sheriff, and he also worked on the intake, intake of the L.A. County jail. Now he works in Orange County, so that's pretty good. Um, I mean, really, it was just a great—this is not the funniest episode we've ever had, but it's definitely the um, most informed, one of my favorites, definitely, because we've been working for this for so freaking long guys what have i been up to well got back from the uh burt tour um plumped up to 232 already down to 220 been battling with the t20s if you've seen my instagram stories you see i've been trying to get in the teens okay i've been trying to get in the teens getting a little harder than i thought mainly because it's like i'm on a diet okay i was given a diet by stacia patwell now she is runs this thing called the school of thought and it is a t-h-o-t as in uh whoers <laughs> um, she runs it and has a lot of female comedians in it and all these female comedians have gotten jacked thin beautiful hilarious and i thought why not me too i did it last time i lost 30 pounds in about 45 days now i'm trying to do it again i'm on day 13 down 12 pounds should be probably pretty good the way i'm going but I'm not sticking to her food because this was the problem, okay? There's a very strict diet, and if I do the diet, I lose weight. I've done it every time. I lose weight. Every but I was doing it. was going good, dropping fat stacks of weight. But my mom came in town, and I can't have my mom come in town and just start feeding her POW gruel that I've been eating. So then we went out. And then, I can, you know, when you're like on a diet and you're just like, well, I just think I'm just going to kind of make my diet up. Like this will just be like, oh, my God, I'll eat one big meal a day. Um, if I'm going to drink, I won't have dinner. I did one yesterday that was, uh, I'll eat one, one meal of KBBQ. KBBQ. If you don't know what that is, that is Korean barbecue. It is an all-you-can-eat barbecue all over L.A. And uh, it's all meat, unlimited meats, shrimps, octopuses, steaks, pork bellies, bacons, sirloins, everything you can want. It's all in there. So I was like, hey, how bad can meat be for you? Um, turns up, backed me up. So pretty bad. No, no, I'm fine. I'm fine. But, um... So I've been doing that, so the weight hasn't been falling off like it did the first 10 pounds. I went real quick because I stayed by her uh, dietary restrictions. For instance, right now, I'm having a beer. Can I do a podcast without having a beer? Maybe. Do I want to? No. It's like going to the beach. Can I go swimming in a suit, like a like a tuxedo? Yeah, but I don't want to. I want to be prepared. I want to be, I want to be doing what I need to be doing. Doing what I need to be doing. So I've been doing that, walking the 10. Honestly, I'm hitting about 15K steps a day. That's one thing if I'm listening, if you guys are listening right now and you feel like uh, you're hitting a wall or something, just start walking, man. Start getting 10Ks in. Let the pounds shed off. What else? Oh, we finally moved to the Comedy Store podcast room, and we're going to be switching over to the Comedy Store channel. Should be the same RSS feed, so you guys won't have to worry. But my clips are going to be better. My recording will be better. My, they're just helping me a lot. The, the episodes will probably now get up every Monday because uh, with these next ones coming out, we're getting some decent guests. You know, I got Lisa Traeger coming out. We got uh, Nicole Amy Schumer, or Schumer, Nicole Amy Schreiber, and then hopefully old Daddy Burt's, old fat Daddy Burt stacks. Not fat like he's fat, P-H-A-T. I mean, it's a fat fuck what Tom Segura says. I love that man. I love him, my goddamn bones. So, 
what the hell is that? Oh, Comedy Store Podcast. Yeah, so we're down there recording it. Clips are going to be good. Stuff's going to be more regular. I won't be having all this pressure on me. So good for us, good for you, good for the gander, good for the goose. My mom was here. What did we do? Um, you know, it's a little interesting because me and my mom's relationship for a long time has been based on getting a little bit of buzz, getting a little, little drinking a couple beers. But recently we decided we're not going to drink together anymore. So we were together for four days. And I got to tell you, what do you do with your what do you do when you're not having beers with your parents? Didn't leave us much in didn't leave us much to do. So we broke it on a couple nights, never got drunk with each other, but did enjoy some couple refreshments, especially when we did the comedy store. I had two spots this week. My mom went to uh the one in the main room. I did a main room this week. If you know me, loving the main room. I've been getting bumped up to spots. Now I'm getting two hours into the show. Whereas it's the OR or the main room. Two hours into the show, I'm going up. So at, in the main room starts at 8, I go up at 10. OR starts at 9, I go up at 11. Fantastic. Better than anything I had before with the last booker. Uh, but he's a great guy. The problem is, that's when doing check drops. Okay, so you don't know you don't know this as uh, just a layman. You're all layman's. I'm sorry for the insult. I uh, really appreciate all of you for uh, checking out the podcast. But... Um, the worst part about a comedy show is when the wait staff drops the check, okay? They give you your check because they do it at the same time for everybody. And when you get the check, you normally go, hey, what did you get? You got this. Okay, well, I'm going to pay this. Okay, so fit me. And you do that. And the guy on stage, I can hear your murmurs. And I can hear you not listening. And I can hear you getting disengaged. Now, is it better than going up at 1 o'clock in front of 12 people that are engaged? For sure. But it's a different uh, muscle I need to start working out. What else is going on in my life? Oh, my girlfriend went to Canada. She's out of the house. I'm calling immigrations. I'm not letting her back in. She's <laughs> No, she went to go visit her grandparents. I'm chilling at home right now. I got the next three days on my own before I go back on tour with the Burt Man. Um, oh, in the main room. So my mom came to watch me, right? So does a check drop. I'm going up there doing a solid 6 out of 10 set. Just people aren't loving it. I'm not really doing that great. They're not looking at me. But something goes on, and I never get the light, and there's no one behind me. So a light, you guys don't know this, sometimes you might be looking backwards, you see like a red light in the back of the room. That tells the comedian that they are almost done. You can say, hey, I want a five-minute light, five minutes till I'm done. I want a two-minute light, two minutes till I'm done. And then I know I need to wrap it up doing my closer. This guy never gave me the light. So I did 30 minutes in the main room. I'm meandering 30 minutes. Nothing I'd be proud about that my mom saw, so. She, I got off and she was like, not your best. And I was like, you're right, not my best. And I appreciate that because I'm a man who tells the truth. If anyone knows me, I'm not a bullshitter. Bert, Bert Kreischer says I'm autistic because I do not like lying to people. So I don't mind when my parents tell me it's not the best because it wasn't the best. Then the next day I do the OR Friday night, two hours in. Fucking check drop again. No one's listening to me. And now I can see that they're not listening because it's a very small room. Small room. It's only small to me now because I've been doing arenas with Bert. Normally, it's 180 people. Not the smallest room in the world. One of the best rooms in the world. But I'm not doing well, and I am not enjoying comedy that night. For the last two days, uh, Thursday and Friday, I was not enjoying comedy. I was uh, kind of depressed. Saturday, I got a show. My mom goes, hey, I don't want to go to your shows anymore. I'm going to go to watch a movie. And I go, okay, you go to the movie at the same time. I'll go to the shows. I do the shows. I'm back, baby. Baby, love me. Baby, long time, love me, baby. No, I crush both shows. New materials working. Um, reminds me why I do this and why I love it. So, that was my last week. 
I'm going to be going with Bert. If you guys want to see me, on the 17th, I'll be in Minneapolis. On the 18th, I'll be in Minneapolis. On the 19th, I'll be in Rockford, Illinois, which I guess is Chicago. I'm calling it Chicago. And then on the 20th, I'll be in Cleveland, Ohio at Rocket Mortgage Field House. Folks, that's where the Cleveland Cavaliers play. Not a side room. We're not in a side room. Madison Square Garden, but you're in a side room. No, we're where the motherfucking Cleveland Cavaliers play, and I'll be playing there. Lastly, on uh, the 30th, I'll be recording something for Netflix is a joke. Yeah, folks, you heard me. You thought I was a bum. Netflix loves me. Is it their movie network? Uh, no, no, it's not. It's their uh, it's their radio channel. But still, got to get your door, got to get your foot in the door, right? You put your foot in that jar, and you don't let them close it on you. And that's what I'm going to do. Also, still waiting on see what that Eliza thing's going to come through. She says she's selling it to Netflix. I hope so. I don't really know. Let's go some suggestions. My one and only suggestion would be the new Silk Sonic album. Uh, if you enjoy Temptations, Otis Redding, uh, Bruno Mars, and Anderson Pock have collabed to make a new album, and uh, it is fantastic. I gotta say, truly, truly fun to listen to. Something you can put on with your mom, your dad, your grandma. Might have a bad word in it, but it's some smooth motherfucking jams. Steve, why do you love this band so much? Well, one, just love Anderson Pock, huge fan. Two. Did a bar show in L.A. Anderson Pac was in the front row, laughed nonstop. Right when I got off stage, he stood up, shook my hand, said, I love my stuff. So, yeah, am I going to marry Anderson Pac one day? Probably. He doesn't know it yet, but I'm following him. I'm going to get him. I'm going to kiss him, and I'm going to love him, and I'm going to let him and I'm gonna let him nibble on my ears. Um, all right, guys, that's the podcast so far. We're cutting these. We're going to start cutting these into twos, okay? We're going to do a first half and a second half. Why? Because they're so fucking long. I do such a good job with my producers like Gray Livingston and Dr. Joe Hofswell that the information just kind of takes two hours. So if you know me, if you are a friend of mine, or if you're just someone who follows me on the inst- in the Instagrams, on the Instranets, on the Instranets, that's a fun word no one said before, DM me. Tell me if you like uh, the split up of the episodes. Um, you know, some people don't want to listen to a show that's like two hours long, but I feel like if I split it in 245s with me doing about 15 here on this little guy... Works out to an hour, works out better for everybody, and I can start getting these things bang, bang, bang out every Monday. All right, everybody. I love you. You love you. You love me, and I love me. Have a great night. This episode is with Officer Gannon. We fucking did it, folks. The Vario Hawaiian Girls. Record at the Comedy Store Studios. Officer Gannon, good to have you in here, buddy. Happy to be here. Thanks for having me. Yeah, it's fun. You drove a long way for this. We've been... This is the Hawaiian Gardens episode, so we've been trying for quite a long time to get you on yep. and to get this one done. Um, probably the most somewhat closest hitting podcast I've done, being that they're two miles away from probably where we are right now. <laughs> but um, So you were working with the L.A. County Sheriff's Department. That's correct. Yeah, I started my career with the L.A. County Sheriff's in 2016. I was assigned to custody. I worked at a men's central jail, so I had a lot of... Uh, close contact with some really, really bad dudes. Okay. Um, some serial killers. Yeah. Uh, really hardcore gang members. Uh, since then, I've left. I'm, I'm a police officer in Orange County now. I work patrol. Uh, but I have a lot of lot of experience and a lot of uh, interesting things that have happened to me. Awesome. So yeah, we're definitely going to get into, into some of those. What do you think? So now you're working at a jail before? Now, do sheriffs normally work at a jail? You have to work at a jail first before you go on the street. That's right? correct. So... So when you start out with the sheriff's department, you are a deputy or a sworn police officer. However, because the county is so large, they do all the jails, they do 
the courts. So when you're coming out, you got you have to do your time. You put out yourself on a list for what city you want to work. So say you wanted to work East LA, That's exactly you, what I was you, asking. Yeah. You put your name down on on that list, and when your time comes up, you'll go out to patrol in East LA, and then hopefully you make training. So if you don't make training, they'll they'll kick you back to the jail and. And that's where you're going to be. Fantastic. We're going to go into a bunch more of that stuff because I've always wondered how people get uh, the neighborhoods they want to and stuff like that. But first off, I already talked to you early about it, but I'll be talking about the Vario Hawaiian Gardens Gang. And no, they're not in Hawaii. They're from a small town just south of L.A. They have a long history and played a key part in forming the Mexican Mafia prison gang. Through the 90s and 2000s, they committed numerous hate crimes and have been classified as a hate gang at their, uh, for their deliberate targeting of African Americans. They stick to their territory and have never formed cliques outside of Hawaiian gardens. Gannon, Mike, first some question to you. Also, you're kind of like, you're a cousin of mine. Correct. So, yeah, so I'm just going to say that. So, Officer Gannon stuff doesn't even keep happening. Um, are you familiar with this gang? Have you ever been involved with a case that you uh, suspected maybe this gang was involved with? So, firsthand, I've, I've never worked mm-hmm. with anyone from Vario Hawaiian Gardens. Yeah. However... When I was in the academy, uh, there's a very notorious um, incident where a deputy was killed. Yes, we're going to be talking about um, that. And uh, they did talk about that, and and uh, that really hit home. You know, there was a lot of training that points that went into that, you know, how, how that happened. Um, but, yeah, I definitely knew about this gang, and I knew uh, how violent and dangerous they were. Yeah, they're uh, pretty gnarly uh, of all the gangs I've done. I mean, this one's hitting so close to home, but they just really – Really like to beat people up with their hands and do crazy shit like that. Um, some identifiers of this gang, maybe you could throw some of these. Normally, they're like a cholo style. Their uh, members often get a Hawaiian Punch logo mascot, right, for that. a VHG or HD tattoo, and most of them starts uh, looking for the gang for protection in their neighborhoods. What do you think, why do you think people get into gangs? Would it be because they're pressured into it or because, you know, some, I've been. I never grew up really rich, and some places are pretty rough, and you do need friends. Yeah, I think that's. I think there's a lot of factors that kind of play into it. Mm-hmm. Where you live, of course, your family. A lot of these kids are born into gangs. You know, their uncles are all gang members. Their dad was a gang member. Their mom was in the gang. So, how you know you're 10, 11 years old, and that's all you see. You think that's normal. You know, that's that's kind of how you were brought up. So. You start out, you know, doing a little 40 or I'm sorry, petty thefts from from CVS. And then you're like, all right, you start putting in work and then you steal a car at 13, you know, and it's a it's a slippery slope. And then I see these kids all the time, you know, 14, 15 year olds, years old rolling around with meth pipes, you know. Yeah, I mean, we're I'm going to get you. You know, what's so funny is we keep rolling into all these questions that I'm going to get to you, so it's going to be fantastic. But lots of times, you know, when when the gang's already at home, it's a lot like growing up, and you never really understand why you're a Green Bay Packers fan. Exactly. But it's just been bred into you. So exactly. it's like at some point, you're like, actually, the Green Bay Packers kind of suck, and I like the Rams. But when you're growing <laughs> up, it's just kind of your life. Absolutely. So we're going to go into the prehistory of the town's formation. Um, in the 1920s, the Hawaiian Gardens area of Los Angeles uh, has its origins of being a very rural area that covers about one square mile in the southeast area of Los Angeles County. Even before the formation of the Vario Hawaiian Gardens, the area dealt in illicit activities during Prohibition. You know, they're on the outskirts of town, pretty close to L.A., but, you know, you can get some wild shit out there. This is the funniest one. That I, This is a true story. The name Hawaiian Gardens was created from a refreshment stand that was direct, decorated with palm fronds and bamboo and was known for selling sandwiches and soft drinks spiked with moonshine. The name stuck to the area. Wow. That's a good 
So it's like, that's a funny one because it's like, if you have your origins in Offsale Moonshine, that's the name of your place. Right. It's like naming a kid Jeeves and he becomes a butler. It's like, yeah, I mean, if you think about it, that has like the the the, the perfect recipe for a, a gang community. I mean, it starts starts off with outlaws. It's a mm. small city. I think the only real money they bring in there is from a casino, which is all extremely shady that we're going to yes. get into as well. <laughs> so, I mean, it's just like the perfect brew of just criminal activity. So, that's such a pro. That's a pretty cool origin story for a neighborhood name, Gannon. Um, what sorts? What neighborhoods have you worked in? And um, yeah, what sort? What neighborhoods have you worked in? What are you familiar with in the city? So, like I so starting with custody, you know, I never went out. Oh, yeah, I yeah. never went out patrol in L.A. Um, however, now working patrol in Orange County, um, there's certain areas of Orange County that are extremely dangerous. So I think people don't realize that, mm-hmm. you know, there's, there's like Santa Ana, for example, Santa Ana is a very dangerous city. And I think, um, because it's not in LA, it doesn't get the media coverage, mm-hmm. uh, that some other cities would get, um, but it, they're out there. There's, there's a lot of gangs in Orange County that they're all affiliated with the Mexican mafia, yep. Serenios, yep. and uh, you have to be very careful. You know, not just because I work in Orange County doesn't mean it's safe. You know? Oh no, I definitely don't think that. There's a large cholo influence. I mean, I know some guys out there that do some crazy shit on their own. They're like reformed gangsters. I'm still like this is too long. I mean, when you got a lot of pe- poor people doing speed, a lot of weird things can kind of exactly. happen. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> So in the 1940s, there's no definitive date set, but the sources speculate that the Vario Hawaiian gang starts during this uh, decade. The reason they say that is this is largely due to the fact that the creator of the prison gang, the Mexican Mafia, was a member of Vario Hawaiian gangs when he went to prison. Um, being that you worked in jails, how familiar are you with the Mexican Mafia and how uh, really tight is their uh, grip on the prison system? It's, it's unbelievable how organized they are. I mean coming from someone who was never in law enforcement mm-hmm. to, you know, going and first off, I grew up in Washington. So mm-hmm. th- there's not a lot of, it's, yeah. it was a rural town in Washington. There's not no gangs or anything. Yeah. And then I become a cop and I'm all of a sudden I'm driving through East LA to go to the Academy. I'm like, okay, this I'm far from home. Then you get into custody and, uh, you see these dudes with, uh, you know, the, the camp pole, you know, the, the, Tattoos on their face, yeah. you know, two lines, three dots, you know. What does that mean? Two lines, three dots. That's that stands for thirteen. It's an Aztec thirteen. Okay, oh, so, so that's uh, that's yeah. an homage to the Mexican mafia. Yeah. So you start seeing that, you know, okay, this person's affiliated with the Mexican mafia. They're a Hispanic gang. Um, you can't even touch them in jail. One of my buddies works as a uh, uh, fucking prison guard in uh, San Quentin, and okay. they got like two of the main guys or Pelican Bay. And that's where that guy uh, that killed Deputy Ortiz is at, Pelican Bay. Yeah, yeah. So they got, yeah, we're going to show, they, we're, we're, do a whole thing on that guy. Yeah, so my buddy works in uh, Pelican Bay, and they, he says there's guys there that he'll, he'll yes and, and sir hit the guy. Yeah. Because they're that. And there there's guys like that in L.A. County Jail right now. There's uh, there's a guy in there, I'm not going to say his, mm, his name. Yeah. Uh, he's a validated Mexican Mafia member with the black hand tattoo. Okay. Um, that guy is locked down in his own portion of the jail because he is so dangerous and has so much control it's they cannot let him around any other inmate but then they still can get messages yes <laughs> it's unbelievable like how they do it i don't know um it's it's really really remarkable how someone who's locked down 24 7 
can still be controlling things on the street. I mean, I'm guessing when he puts other people's family members and lives in danger, people are going to find a way mm-hmm. to get what this guy Absolutely. wants. Um, so here's a question. That I'll just go from here. You went from Washington, rural Washington, on the east or west coast? West coast. Okay, a little better. A little better. Yeah, but, coast, yeah, on the foothills, though. Yeah, you okay. go on the east, though. So yeah. mm. It's a little wonky <laughs> out there. Def, same amount of meth out there as they are in uh, Santa. <laughs> what made you want to come to L.A. from Washington? To me, I'm thinking, burping, I would guess it's a lot like me thinking I'm a badass comedian and I want to go where the most – because to me, I would guess L.A.'s got to be ranked as one of the more badass places for someone to be. Yeah, I think, you know, just California in general. If you think of law enforcement, California sets the standard. Oh, interesting. It absolutely sets the standard for tactics – Everything we do here trickles out across the country. So you can, you'll be watching. And I don't want to put down other agencies. Yeah, you, you know, don't have to say their you know, names or whatever. But you, you'll watch Live PD or something, right? Mm-hmm. You're sitting at home drinking a beer watching Live PD. And they're in Arkansas or something. And they get in a pursuit and it terminates. And all of a sudden there's 15 deputies running up on the car pointing guns at the guy. That would never happen in California. Not in a million years. You know, you do that, you'll probably get fired because you don't know what you're doing. You yeah. know, you, it, you're putting yourself in danger. So you want to get into law enforcement, why not work in L.A.? Amen. You know, that's that's the, the forefront of, of everything. You want to be badass is where you got to start. That's exactly what I like to hear. So here's another question. Now, do you guys – what – I don't know if you can say it, but let's talk about L.A. sheriff. Would you say – what's the difference between L.A. sheriffs and LAPD? I know one's the city and one's the county, but is, like, one considered – PD seems a little rougher to me if I was looking, and sheriffs somehow seems like they might have more money, but I don't know if PD are more like badasses or what. It really just depends. So, like, both of them are huge agencies. Yeah. LA County Sheriff's is the biggest sheriff's department in the entire country. I mean, the country, the county and, is so fucking big, yes. it blows your mind. It, it's unbelievable, and the they're both so big that they're kind of, LAPD itself is almost like, a sheriff's department in itself because mm-hmm. there's so much opportunity there. And when you look at LA County Sheriff, it's the same thing. You could go there, and that was what was very appealing to me. You can go there, you do your patrol time, you do your custody time. And if you want to get into gangs, you can be a badass gang detective for the rest of your career. You know, or you want to fly in helicopters, you can do that. So that's super appealing. Where now where I'm at now is a much smaller agency. There's we don't have helicopters, mm-hmm. you know, we don't, we have a gang unit, but you're going to cycle out in five years if, if you do get that spot. So it's, it's really different, you know, compared to, uh, something like a sheriff's department where you can be a, an EVOC instructor, which is the emergency vehicle driving. You can do that your whole career, you know, eventually. Mm-hmm. So it's just, there's pros and cons, but with the LA County Sheriff's department, they have so much area that they cover. It's almost like it, it's almost it's really almost like it's too big. Yeah. You know, like how could you possibly It's have, huge. How could you possibly, you know, have an effective department when it's that large? It's almost too big. You know, mm-hmm. I feel like almost if they lost some of their contract cities, it would probably be better for the whole department in general, just because it's more less to control, less to yeah. monitor, you know. hundred percent. No, I would agree. I mean, you can be driving and God, where did my girlfriend used to live? Pomona or no, out past Pomona. Somewhere, and I was just blown away that I was still in L.A. County. Yeah. It was just like, oh, I thought for sure this would at least Walnut, be Riverside. Diamond Bar. Yeah, like, Diamond Bar. Yeah. She was in Diamond Bar. I was like, this is L.A.? Yeah, And then crazy. she went to the other, was it Pomona Hospital? Nah, I don't know. All right, so we're going to go into the starter of the Mexican Mafia. 
His, uh, this guy's name is Luis Hero Buff Flores. Okay, 1957, Luis Flores, at 16 year old, is tried as an adult for conspiracy to com- commit money laundering, and he is sent to Duell Vocational Institute in Tracy, California. Again, 16 is pretty young. Yeah. Who's the youngest person you've ever had to arrest? Also, who's one of the? Uh, you don't have to say names, obviously, just like right. just things. Who's uh? What's the youngest worst crime you've seen a young person commit? Man, there's a lot of a lot. M- Mainly, a lot of the violent crime that you see from gang members are from very young gang members, mm. people who are trying to either make make it into the game or what they call put in work, mm-hmm. so they can get status. Uh, I think the youngest person that was affiliated with a gang that I've ever arrested was 13, and uh, he, he it was for drugs and and paraphernalia. But to see a 13 year old rocking around with a meth pipe in his sock, who's already on probation, like. And in driving him home, I'm like, I want to see where you live. Like, mm-hmm. I want to, I want to take you home. And and of course, mom and dad aren't home. Yeah, it's an uncle, and it's just like this kid's got no chance. And it's it's sad because you want to help him, but it's almost like he's yeah, thirteen is almost too far gone already. It's it's horrible. Um, we had I had a uh, a carjacking and a stabbing um, that happened a couple of years ago. And both those kids had just turned 18, mm. and one of them had never even been arrested before, and ended up getting 25 years. Had f- never been arrested, and uh, decided to go out and carjack and stab somebody. A lot of times, the guy, a lot of, <laughs> they don't know that the guy driving can get almost the same shit that the guy who did this stuff did. Absolutely. This guy didn't even stab him. The other guy, that case is still ongoing, but the, the guy who didn't even stab... You know, he's just there. You know, he's participating in the crime. Yeah. Um, he got 25 years and uh, at 18 years old already. Life life done. Ugh, man. I know. And it's, I mean, like, and you think of that, you, you think of why that log exists because there was a point in time where it needed to exist. And I think it still might need to exist. But you can just be like, God damn, there's a lot of those. I mean, you know, don't go out around with guys who are going to stab people and you right. have this problem. <laughs> but but it does And they, they had actually robbed like three people. They were on kind of oh, like okay. a spree, oh. you know. And uh, I'm going to ask another spree question later. And uh, I feel bad for our victim, man. He uh, Great point. Think about it this way. So this guy, our victim here, it was his birthday. Oh. It was his first day at a new job. And um, not only did he get stabbed, he actually totaled his car. So... What happened was he's going out. It's 5 a.m. Okay, I'm going to my first day. It's my birthday. Yeah. Go to warm up his car. It's kind of foggy, you know. He sees some, some dudes run by. He thinks, oh, they're joggers, whatever. Then they circle back and open up his doors. And, hey, give me your money. Give me your car. Uh, no, I'm not going to do that, you know. So he, they're, start, they're pulling stuff out of his glove compartment. Um, this guy thinks, I'm going to take... The hell, I'm going to get my car taken, you know. On my fucking birthday. On my birthday. I got to go to work right now, yeah. dog. Exactly. First day, he he throws it in reverse, guns it. One guy falls out of the car, throws it in drive, guns it forward. One guy falls into the car. In the process, the guy stabs him in the chest, and he takes his car and plums it right into a tree, and uh, totals his car in his front yard of all places too. <laughs> I mean, the guy just had the worst day in history, I think. But uh, yeah. Well, did he live? He did live. He lived. Jobless, without a car, and worst birthday ever. Yep. Um, 
It is at uh, Duell Vocational Institute in Trace, California, that our guy, Harold Buff, uh, starts to recognize that there are a lot of other Latino gangsters incarcerated, but no solid organization amongst them. In order to provide uh, other Latinos protection, he created La M.A., a.k.a. the Mexican Mafia. He recruited the toughest, most violent incarcerated gangsters to rule the facility in fear. Also, I feel like La M.A. used to have, always had a lot of power, but now they're definitely cartel-backed, if I believe. I, I would believe that. I mean, I don't know definitively if okay. that's true or not, um, but th- it's such a large organized organization. Mm-hmm. I mean, even people coming in off the streets. So say I, I arrest somebody, to, I book him into jail, and he's not necessarily even a gang member. He's just kind of like hang affiliate, hangs out with yeah. him, you know, but he's not in a gang. When he's in custody, he has to go by the Mexican Mafia's rules. He has to work out. He has to even fold his mattress a certain way every morning. If he doesn't, he's going to get stomped out. And we call it, we call those guys Southsiders. So you're not necessarily in a gang, but you're you're in a gang now because you're in you're in jail and you have to go by and you're Hispanic. So you have to go by the Mexican Mafia's rules. You have to pay taxes. Now, do you know if that guy, let's say he gets out, because this is always a large fear of mine as well, you know. Drunk driving or something bad happens. Um, not that I drunk drive, but whatever. <laughs> you don't understand what I'm saying. Right. It's like the, there's movies about it. So you, when this guy gets out of jail, do you think he still has to be in a gang? And he's now, or are they kind of like, you did your time? Yeah, once once you're out, you're out. Okay. And that's the interesting thing is that you see these guys from all different uh, gangs on the streets. They're all Hispanic gangs. They're pro- they might even be rivals. Mm-hmm. But in custody, they're now all one. They're all Hispanic. They're all Mexican mafia. So they'll be getting they'll be getting along. They'll be eating together, they'll, you know, doing the whole thing, doing drugs together. But once they're out, they're enemies. It's it's so bizarre. So let's say if you're just a normal, let's say me, I drink and drive. Um, no, nah, I, I drink and drive. That didn't come up. I'm drinking and driving <laughs> and I smash somebody, I kill a kid or something, you know, 4 right. a.m., go to jail. Drugs. And I got drugs on me? So you said? No, I said like Henry Ruggs. Yeah, like Henry Ruggs. God damn. I mean, yeah. I don't feel bad for him. I feel bad for the two kids he yeah. killed or two people he killed. 156, boy, God damn. I know. Um, so I'm going to jail. Going to jail, going to prison for a long time. Do I have to be in a gang? No. So so what's going to happen is you're going to run with the whites. Yeah. Okay, so uh, the P&I, public enemy number one, that's going to be kind of your – it's like your Mexican mafia. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So you're going to have to put in work maybe for the whites. You know, they may – the whites are way less organized. The blacks are way less organized, you know. Um, and there's not a whole lot of whites in an L.A. County jail. Um, so am I fucked? Like, if I go you, to L.A. County jail, am I going to get my ass beat, like, first night? You might. Especially because it, it depends, dude. So they, they could put you in, a uh, like, a trustee module. It's an inmate worker. That's kind of more, like, low-key. So you're in for a deuce. You'll probably be an inmate worker. Like, ah, he's got 30 days. We're going to make him mop and work in the kitchen or something. You might be okay there because it's a little more lax. The people who are there, they want to be there because they're getting time off their sentence. Yeah, they're yeah, going to yeah. play by the rules. Don't get me wrong. They're hardcore gangsters in yeah. there. But uh, you'll probably be okay. Now, if they throw your ass in GP, and we don't segregate in L.A. County. In Orange County, you'd probably have better luck because they segregate. In L.A., you're just going to get thrown into a cell with, like, you could be like you and, like, three blacks, and they're all, like, they're, they're going to fuck you up probably. I don't know if I can say that. But yeah, you can say whatever the yeah, fuck you want. They're, they're going to mess you up more than likely. So if I go to prison now, 
Because I always, th- you know, it's like, am I, like every white guy in prison has either had to do something for their white gang or any, you know, ethnic person for their ethnicity has probably had to do something for them. You think? Or like, can a guy be like, "Hey, I'm the cool guy." <laughs> yeah, <laughs> not, I mean, you, they, you could, you could. Obviously, they're gonna want to know who you are. Like, what, what are you about? Like, hey, I'm a comedian. Yeah. I got, I got hooked for Deuce. I accidentally killed somebody. Okay, you know, like, we, we kind of get kind of who you are. Mm-hmm. It doesn't mean you're not gonna have to put in work. It just means, okay, this guy's not really, yeah, about that life. About that life. He's gonna have to play by our rules. If it means we we sit over here, he's gonna have to sit with us. Uh, another thing, though going back to kind of if you were in the county, because that's where most people are going to go. Yeah, you're not going to go to prison. Really, and especially really because uh, of the laws they've passed, where a lot of people are actually doing prison time in the in the county jail. That's why it's so packed, mm. because they wanted to reduce the prison population. So they're like, all right, you're just doing your time in county. And just it works fake numbers? Out. It's fake numbers. So one thing that would probably help you is that if you have a white rep in your um, module where you're at, Another race isn't going to want to necessarily start shit with you because okay. it could start a race war. It could start a riot. So you're, every race is going to have a rep. So if you have an issue, even as a deputy. What's a race rep? So it's someone who they've kind of like elected to be yeah. like the representative for the tier and for their race. So someone who's going to communicate with the deputies. So say there's an issue. If I had an issue with, say, uh, some Hispanic inmate, he's talking shit. He's not going with the program. I go, I'm not going to deal with him. I'm going to go to their rep say, hey, dude, you know, sleepy on, on yeah. Abel Row is causing a problem now. I'm going to mess up your program unless you get him in check. And then, wow. which, which is pretty crazy, yeah. is that then I would actually let that inmate out of his cell. To get beat up? And he would go and walk to that person's cell and talk to him. And wow. they would they would kind of like squash it. And next time I'm doing a walk, a lot of times I get an apology. Yeah. Because they don't want their program getting messed up. Because that's how they sell their drugs. Yeah. That's how they that's how they do their whole thing. They yeah. want everything kind of. And that was some weird coming out of a, an academy. You think, all right, this is a jail. Everything's going to be very lights out at ten, whatever. It's really not the case. You kind of have to politic with them, or else you're going to get beat up. You know, it's like. And but this is mainly like a L.A. County jail thing, right? Most right. other smaller jails, you'll probably it's is this is L.A. County jail one of the more. I almost want to say badass, but gnarly ones in the country. Absolutely, like I'll hook, I'll hook dudes down in Orange County, and I'll be like, sometimes they've been, yeah, to LA probably. County Jail, yeah, and they all are like, I don't ever want to go back there. It's it's crazy, man. Like, un, it's like Alcatraz. Like it's long, linear tiers with iron bars. Like that's not the standard anymore. If Men's Central Jail were to close today, it would not open up tomorrow because it's so far out of regulation with everything. That they wouldn't be able to reopen. It's just grandfathered into all these things. Mm. Like inmates can open their own cells. Like it's it's literally just hand cranked doors. So like they'll put like uh, I don't know like toilet paper rolls and like block the lock. So like you're so trying to out. lock the door and it, you know it's jammed. And then you know they'll you slide do? their cell open. And then what am I going to do? I can't run in there against all these exactly. guys. Exactly. What am I going to do? Oof. All right. Um, he created this gang in the uh, style of the Italian mafia. As LaMA took control of DVI, the California Department of Corrections sent high-ranking members off to San Quentin, thus guaranteeing the continued growth and success of LaMA. Luis Flores is an integral part of the Hawaiian gang's history because he is still honored by the gang to gay. I mean, it kind of, I mean, in my mind, it would be probably like this gang is a Hall of Fame 
member, gang right. member, if he right. couldn't credit Lambic, he'd be like, yeah, hey, that's our fucking, uh, whatever. He is considered a mythic figure among the Hawaiian Gardens gang only because he was originally one of them and he helped create one of the most powerful prison gangs in the United States prison system. He is also honored because he made Lambic a hate gang, much like Barrio Hawaiian's gang. So just a little, we can go a little different one on this one. Who's one of the most notorious criminals you've come in contact? And uh, I'll ask a second one after that. Uh, this is a great question. So um, when I was working custody, I worked in a high security module. Um, these were people who were either hardcore gang members like shot callers mm -hmm. or um, serial killers. Pedophiles. Pedophiles. But so we're talking like serial. Uh, actually, that we did have protective custody there. So like uh, serial rapists, those mm -hmm. guys would get killed. Yeah. So they're they're there too. Uh, the Mongol bike gang, they were also there, but only because they're in protective custody. Because they're in Hell's Angels territory, right? Well, because they don't pay taxes to the Mexican mafia, and because of that, uh, there's greenlit. they're, they're greenlit yeah. exactly. So they actually have to be in protective custody. Um, but one of the most notorious guys I personally dealt with. And he liked me a lot for some reason. It was really creepy. It was the Hollywood Ripper. Um, I just saw a thing on him. Yes. Gargulio. Yeah, Gargulio. Yeah. Dude. So that guy was uh, in L.A. County Jail. He was there for 10 years waiting for to be sentenced. He just got sentenced. I think he got the death penalty. Or, yeah. So he's a real, real, if you can ever imagine what a serial killer looks like, that's this guy. Yeah. Like real, like he's like bald and yeah. kind of like gangly and like real creepy. And, um. I didn't. So when you're there, you don't necessarily know what everyone's in for. Like, you yeah. know, it's going to say 187 murder. Uh, you know, he's locked down 24 7. So you know, it's got to be bad. It's got to be bad, yeah, but you yeah. don't necessarily know. But I was dealing with this guy so much. I went home and I'm like, I got to figure out who this guy is. Like, and then start quick Google search. You figure out this guy killed like Ashton Kutcher's girlfriend, yep. like a real creep. But before I knew all that, I'd been taking him down to the clinic because uh, he had some medical issue he had to get mm -hmm. dealt with all the time. So taking him down there we're sitting there he's getting his old treatment and while we're waiting he's pointing at all the, the air conditioning units he goes oh that one's that one's a uv light is killing all the bacteria in the air i'm like oh that's cool you know he's just talking to me he goes hey what's your first name i'm like i'm not gonna tell you that he goes come well i already know it i just i just forgot what is it i'm, like, I'm not gonna tell you man like he goes well everyone who handles me i have to know who their their first name is so i'm like i'm not telling you mike you ain't got no shit you yeah exactly so I'm like, that was kind of weird. That was a weird interaction. But, uh, you know, I've like, well, actually learned a lot about the AC units. Yeah. So I'm like, that's cool. I think he did that to help kill people. That Exactly. And I didn't know that at the time. And then it became really creepy because I'm like, that's how you like murdered all these people is like being a creepy air conditioning guy, you know? Yeah. He actually, so this is an interesting one about that case that I didn't understand. So he first killed a girl in Chicago. Right. And then somehow, this is like before the internet. This is like 2002, yeah. 2003. That cop in the LA cop aligned some magic way. So this is one of, I've always wondered, because I've what my girlfriend is more obsessed with the serial killer aspect of stuff. I kind of like, just like, I just find bad guys uh, fascinating. Um, how do they, how would that even come back in the day without the internet? How would something, like, was it just, did, did this Gugliotta guy or whatever have the worst luck in the fucking world? He must have. I have no idea how they would have really put those two together. Yeah. Unless, you know, they were really looking back into his background, like, okay, he's from Illinois. Let's see for... This chick who got yeah, stabbed. Yeah, let's just see if he's killed anyone back there, too. And sure as shit, you know. Okay, then here we go. Who's, uh, who's one of the worst people you've arrested or put in custody? Man. You don't have to say their name. You just kind of say their stuff. Unless it's, like, someone that 
I, I mean, I've taken uh, just recently, and I can't talk too much about it as an ongoing case, but yeah. we had a homicide in our city. Um, and where I work, we don't get a whole lot of homicides. So it is because we have the freeway coming through our city, sometimes people get off and stuff happens. So a uh, girl was actually executed. You know, mm. we're talking like a quarter mile from the police station. Like we ended up catching the car on our police station cameras. Like um, ap- after that was done, um, I actually took that guy uh, in to, to Orange County Jail and he cried. He cried because he knew it was over. Like he knew his, it was over. He was never, ever going to get out. And, uh, actually kind of in a weird way, I kind of felt bad for him because like, I just saw all the regret in his face, like a million bad decisions he's made in his life all culminated to this moment where, you know, it's 10 o'clock at night and I'm, I'm driving, driving through Santa Ana, taking him to Orange County jail. And, and, uh, he knew that it was over. I mean, you've got to see that all the time. Yeah. People like <laughs> one more chance. Was like, Doug, you've probably had a lot of chances yeah. to get here right now. Exactly. So, all right, April 9th, 1964. We haven't even started in the real Hawaiian Garden stuff yet. Hawaiian Gardens is finally incorporated as a city, but at this point, the two major cliques of the Hawaiian Gardens are called the Malditos and the Laquitos, which translates to the cursed and the two little crazy ones. 1970s and the 80s. During this time, there's no significant changes happening in Vardigo. Hawaiian Gardens is speculated that by... Uh, that the reputation for them being a hate crime or a hate gang grew during this time due to keeping uh, African-Americans out of their city. Now, this is something that I keep seeing in this and keep seeing all the stuff I read. Um, this was a, a, one of my producers happened to be with us, Dr. Joe Hoffswell. Um, he's a professor at Western Kentucky University. Um, they keep talking this as being a hate gang. Do you really, do you still see gangs on the outside being... Uh, cut around racial lines or colors or do you think it's really just a money grab and they're using this as a bunch of bullshit well i think it's interesting so you, everyone thinks of hate gangs what are you gonna think of white you yeah know, white guys and you see you think that because you know they have the racist tattoos the racist yeah. ideology and we've been and pretty great at it in the past yeah that's right? the best ones <laughs> <laughs> so um especially in orange county you're gonna see way more white supremacist gangs than you would in la yes um it's just very more way more common However, you don't, they're not as, they're not really active anymore, in, mm-hmm. anymore. you know, you don't. Well, Huntington Beach used to be like the Mecca, right, back in the day? Absolutely, absolutely. And, and that, those guys are, every time I stop one, they're always from Huntington Beach. Yeah. Always. But usually they're kind of old gangsters. You don't see like the, the progression of young guys becoming white supremacist gang members like you do with the Hispanic mm-hmm. gangs. Um, it, on the same time, you don't really see them out really committing hate crimes. You know, it's really not. They'll, they're doing the same things that everyone else is doing. They're selling drugs, you know. They're stealing cars. They're stealing catalytic converters. It's all the same stuff, mm-hmm. but because they're white, they're a white supremacist gang. Mm-hmm. Now, what I think with Hawaiian Gardens is interesting is that they were literally targeting black people. Yeah, that's their whole thing. Is like, but no one's ever gonna say like, you know, oh, it's a Mexican supremacy gang. That's just not really a term that anyone used. But in reality, that's kind of what they are. I mean, that is what they are. If we're going to see each one of these crimes becomes gruesome, more gruesome than the last. And the only person that they, I mean, they've probably killed a lot of people, but the only ones on that I've found that there wasn't black was uh, Officer Ortiz. Right. Although some African-American families did settle in Hawaiian gardens, Vara Hawaiian gardens would get a great deal of attention for their hate crimes over the last, the next two decades. Uh, they target the targeted hate crimes, uh, that were frequent through the mid-90s are argued to have their origins in the late 80s when Hawaiian Guard members, gang members claim 
that one of their members was shot in cold blood by a black person. Who really knows? The L.A. Sheriff's Department did not generally focus on gangs related, uh, gang-related crimes during this time, so the murder went unsolved. The story told Hawaiian Gardens gang members was that it was an attack from a black gang member. So, uh, with all the lies and misleading people can say and use to get out of anything, do you experience a gut feeling when assessing a crime scene or interviewing a suspect? And what kind of stuff do you look for? Absolutely. So, just this last week, I arrested a guy... We'll go back a little bit. So I'm I work night shift. So I'm yeah. I'm out looking for burglars. You know, people up to no good. It, at a certain and your patrol. So you just drive around. I drive with around your eyes open until you get a night, call. You know, some t- police work is a lot of like periods of extreme boredom and then extreme excitement. So yeah. it's kind of like peaks and valleys, peaks and valleys all night long. So uh, you're driving around. Sometimes it's hard to stay stay focused. You know, on really what you're doing because you've been driving around maybe for three hours mm-hmm. and haven't seen anything. So I'm driving, I'm driving, and I see, it's out of the corner of my eye, this guy in one of our green belts. Okay, so, all right. What's a green belt? A green belt is kind of like a, a, a strip of park, pretty much. Oh, okay. It separates two neighborhoods, or it's yeah, in yeah. the middle of a neighborhood. Yeah. So, you know, it could be could be a homeless guy, or it could be a guy burglarizing. Who yeah. knows? It's in the middle of the night. It's the middle of the night. So I do a little U-turn, drive back, kind of give him a second look. He kind of looks at me and stops. I'm like, all right. That's clue number one. That's not normal. He's he sees me and I see him, and he freezes. Freezes. I because there's a race intermediate, and I have to do another U-turn, which is not great tactically. Yeah, I mean, this guy has too. like a lot of. It looks goofy, exactly. <laughs> but he has a lot of time to think. All right, I need to. I need to do something. So I'd make my U-turn, and I, all of a sudden I spotlight where I saw him, and he's gone. I'm like, okay, now 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 clue number two. Something's up. And I, I kind of drive a little bit, and I see him. He's running across the parking lot. He's running. I'm like, oh, there he is. So what do I have to detain him? Well, he's in our park after dark. It's a muni code. Is it chicken shit? Sure. But can I detain him legally? Yes. So I, I, I drive up to where he is. He's not going away. I'm a car. He's on foot. I get out. I'm like, hey, dude, what are you doing? Well, I'm exercising. I'm working out. I'm just going for a jog. I said, no, you're not. Dude, I just saw you. Like, But it's they're always going to come up with some stupid excuse. Oh, I'm just trying to get back. He's like, I'm trying to get back in shape. I'm running, blah, blah, blah. Gets and he also is probably not wearing a gym outfit, no, sweatband, no, sneakers. No, absolutely not. Absolutely not. Um, he, What I think he was doing, he was probably looking to burg somewhere, mm-hmm. obviously. Turns out he was a parolee at large, um, with vi- wanted uh, wanted for not checking in on parole, Um he has violent tendencies. All these things come up with his warrant. Of course, he gives me a fake name. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not him. Pull up the photograph. It's some dude from Huntington Beach. It's not even close to looking like him. I'm like, do the same you. He goes, that's not me. I'm like, exactly. He goes, well, let's figure this out. There must be a, an issue with the system. I'm like, okay, you're under arrest. Yeah. Um, go and fingerprint him. Of course, that's not who he is. And uh, he's on parole and he has a warrant. So, Good job. Yeah. Okay, so summary of what we just saw, uh, read. The community of Hawaiian Gardens and Vero Hawaiian Gardens have grown together as the area developed. The city was named after a food stand that sold moonshine during the Prohibition. The origins of the town are tied to criminal activity. A permanent claim to fame for Vario Hawaiian Gardens is that they were the original game for the founder of La Eme. They're also responsible for making the city racially segregated by scaring off black residents and keeping the city as mostly Latin X. Here's my question to you. After everything that happened during the pandemic, what's one thing do you think people get rat- wrong about modern day police work? Man, there's, I mean, there's a lot. I think a lot of people have a hard, don't really understand what we do, you know, and uh, 
how really how dangerous our job really is. True. Um, I, for example, I'll just go there, tell a story. It's the best way. Um, I had a transient complaint. And that's something that every city deals with, you know. But definitely Southern California, tip top height. Absolutely. Yeah. So this is, you know, someone complaining, you know, Joe Schmo. Hey, there's there's transients that are setting up camp behind my house. Okay, who would really want a bunch of yeah. transients living behind their house? You know, nobody. Yeah. So this it always starts with a simple call to the police. Hey, and what am I going to do? I'm going to go there tell, hey, guys, got to get lost, you know. That's what I'm trying to do, mm-hmm. right? That's my goal is to solve the problem. Get there. They're in the bushes, and they're smoking meth. Okay, so now we have a crime, right? It's a misdemeanor, sure, but it's a crime. Hey, man, there's two guys. Hey, man, come out of the bushes. One guy kind of starts laughing. He's like, ah, you know, got me, you know. Hey, take a seat. Other guy, no, fuck you. I'm not coming out. Hey, come on, dude. Like, you're smoking meth. I caught you. Do you smell it? I didn't smell it, actually. Um, But he had the the pookie. He was ready to go. And, uh, Pookie's he, a what? A pipe? A meth, a meth pipe. Okay. And um, so he he was kind of – it was going down a bad path. Yeah. And um, so remember, we started with just a simple complaint and is now escalating. Um, I call for backup. Mm-hmm. And uh, I see that he's not going with the program. I call for now a code three backup, which means responding with lights and sirens. Because I know, based on my training experience, that this is probably going to end up in a fight. Yeah, the guy's on meth. The hobo. guy's on meth. Yeah. Um, he's being very, very there's two of them aggravated. And there's two guys. They're unhandcuffed. And there's just me. And they're uh, homeless. It's not like you, you ran these up on two normal, guys. Yeah, these human. aren't normal people, yeah, you know. Yeah. And I tell him, like, hey, dude, you got to come out. You know, it's, it's going to happen. And uh, he's, like, I, well, I, he's like, you got a gun? He's like, I got a gun too. And he's like, I'm going to put a bullet through your head. And he's got a backpack. And he starts racing to his backpack. Now I have a decision to make. This is how fast yeah. things happen. And again, I'm still by myself. So, of course, I pull out my taser, right? I don't want to shoot anybody, you know? But now I'm starting to think, I got a decision to make. Yeah. And I have to make it quick. Um, he takes his backpack after reaching into it. And goes to jump over the wall into someone's backyard. So this is COVID time. So everyone's home. Now I'm thinking, okay, this guy could be armed. With a gun. With a gun. He told me he has a gun. And now he could be, what, going to go in someone's house and take hostages now? So I I go to deploy my taser. And a lot of people always say, you always read it, well, why didn't they just tase the guy? Because tasers don't work, to be honest. Um, I've had tasers fail on me way more often than they've actually worked. For a taser to work, you have to get what's called NMI, neuromuscular incapacitation. So it has to have two prongs separated to where it's going to lock up the body and mm-hmm. to be effective. If that doesn't happen, it's useless. Yeah. And a lot of times when people are wearing jackets and stuff, it's just not going to get that connection. So to deploy a taser, it doesn't work. That just pisses him off. Now he's running at me. I have two, I have two shots in a taser. Shoot him again. He takes a prong and rips it out of his leg. Okay. Um, he, now he's you know, right up on me, I end up having to punch him in the face with a taser, you know, and then and the fight's on, I'm still by myself and there's still a person unsecured, Yeah. you know, homeless person, a homeless person, Drug so at, how fast, using meth. how fast these things happen, you know, it's, it, it's all decision-making, you mm-hmm. know, and, and at the end of it all, what was in his backpack was a giant fixed plate kitchen knife. Mm. Okay. Could he have deployed, could he have pulled that out of his bag when he reached into it? Sure. Could he have stabbed me? Absolutely. For sure, yeah. You know, how quickly he closed that gap 
you know, that that's one that really stuck with me because it's like, did I make the right decision by going to my taser? Could I have shot him? Maybe, you know, it's all these things. And then if you're wrong, if you choose wrong, you're going to end up in prison. Yeah. So it's like, yeah, you I, can either, if you choose wrong, you can end up in prison or you can choose wrong and get up dead. Exactly. And a lot of people don't really understand that and how quickly, you know, we, people make mistakes. I mean, every, every job everywhere, someone has made a mistake at their job, you know, uh, in law enforcement, you make a mistake, you can end Sticks up dead. High. Yeah. So here's my question about this one. You go up to those guys, they're smoking meth. Do you bring them in? Is it even worth getting a homeless guy into jail? That's, and that's, uh, another thing a lot of people don't realize too, is that in the state of California, stuff like uh, meth, any sort of misdemeanor is going to be a sight and release. Okay. So that guy, at the end of the day, would have just got a ticket. <laughs> I would have taken his meth, and he would have been on his way. I yeah. was not going to take him into jail. And how are they going to get a meth ticket from a homeless guy anyway? Exactly. It's <laughs> just going to end up in a warrant anyway, yeah. and then sometime, somewhere down the line, someone's going to contact him. He's going to have a warrant. Then he's going to go to jail. Um, but that's really what we were going to do. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's just, I'm going to take your meth. It's not a big deal. And uh, you're you're going to go on your homeless way, you know, doing, doing your stuff. Could have gone either way. So now we're going to go into the hate in the 90s. This is where it starts picking up. 1992, although Varro Hawaiian Gardens has been reported to have more than 2,000 members, they've always had a strong control uh, over the city due to it only being one square mile and housing between 14,000 and 18,000 people. In July of 1992, the violence and drug dealing was so bad that half the churches in the area threw a rally to ask for for the violence to stop. Um, so what are some of the worst violent, most crime ruined neighborhoods in LA and why, and what's, uh, some things that you've seen that makes you feel this way or that had that's happened that way or makes these areas so bad. So essentially I'm moving to LA. Tell me what areas I should. (laughs) I think, uh, number one on the list has got to be East LA. Um, East LA is extremely violent, dangerous city. Uh, that's ironically where the sheriff's Academy is. Mm -hmm. Uh, so you, you know, you're driving through East LA. We actually had a rule at the Academy. You weren't allowed to stop for gas in a one mile square radius, you know, around the Academy. They're actually attacking cops in East LA. Because it was so dangerous. And, um, ironically, when we were there, um, officer Boyer from Whittier PD, uh, he was killed while we were, um, Mm. in the Academy and he was killed by a winter gardens, uh, East LA gang member who had, uh, shot his cousin um, stole his cousin's car, ended up in Whittier, in a, and he got into a traffic accident. So this is a, again, we go back to law enforcement, how dangerous the job is. An officer is responding to a non-injury traffic collision. That's got to be the most, like, low-key, most boring call. You're like, damn it, you know, whatever. I, I was really trying to go get a Red Bull or something right now, mm-hmm. but now i got to do this. Gets there. Um, the guy's pushing the car, like, around the corner. And uh, essentially, the, 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 he's in a gunfight immediately. Uh, this guy, Mejia, ends up killing Officer Boyer and shooting his partner. Uh, we actually had the homicide detective come into the academy and talk to us. And uh, Mejia, when he talked to the, dep- uh, the detectives, he told them, he said, the only reason I stopped shooting is because I ran out of bullets. You know, I wish I would have, essentially, I wish I would have killed both the cops. Because, and these, this is their mindset, and that's, an officer going to something just this is a civil thing it's a traffic collision you're yeah. just going to exchange insurance information and ends up losing his life and he's in a gun battle you know and that's someone coming from east la i i feel bad for the residents that live there i mean that'd be tough 
Yeah, it sounds pretty fucking gnarly, man. A lot of the guys, I do this, I've done a few, I did MS-13 and did a bunch of these, and they, uh, it's a lot of it's in East L.A., yeah. and they're pretty crazy, and you always hear about Compton and stuff, and it's like, kind of yeah. seems like these other guys are a little bit uh, more uh, high-strung. March 1st, 1993, Barrio Hawaiian Gardens gang members tag a house of a black family with racial slurs and threats of violence, which included, we're going to shoot up your house and we don't care if you got kids inside. Number one, that's a lot to write on the side of a house. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so kind of maybe kudos there, I guess, Hawaiian Gardens. But uh, this, so I don't really have anything for this one, but I do have a question. I, I've always thought about, you, you probably don't do speeding that often, right? That's like a Hawaiian, or that's like a highway patrolman kind of shit. So, yeah, I mean, we all are expected to write traffic citations, but that's definitely not my um, prime responsibility when I go to work. Oh, here we go. What's then? What it, I, I've always heard 10 miles per hour. See, I... Actually, I'm not even uh, radar certified. So you actually have to go oh. to a school to shoot radar. Um, oh. I purposely have not gone to that school because yeah. I don't want to shoot. I don't want to shoot radar. I don't like giving people tickets. Yeah. Um, eventually, I'll probably end up having to go. But um, yeah, I mean, for me, like, if I'm going to give a speeding ticket, it's going to be by pacing. So meaning I'm driving behind you for a ha- at least a half a mile, and. That's how I'm. That's how I'm. And that guy st- had no idea you were even fucking. Or behind he just him. doesn't care. Like yeah. you okay. know, that's when. And usually that good. it's that like a good, uh, uh, an excessive amount. Like mm-hmm. we're going like seventy and a forty-five or something. You're getting that ticket yeah. for one. But so that that's kind of the people I'm giving speeding tickets to. But I think our motor cops, it's you know probably ten miles an hour. I'd say it's a a decent because you have to articulate unsafe speed. Yeah. So why was that speed unsafe? So you can't just be like, oh, it's over the posted speed limit, but why was it unsafe? You know what I mean? So there's a little bit that has to go into it to issue a, a speeding ticket. Okay. So if I was ever pulled over for speeding, see, I think I've only was one time and kind of it was like a speed trap, but it's fine. Um, <laughs> I was going down a hill. Well, no, that's fine. Actually, the guy was pretty cool. I had weed in the car before it was legal. So I really wasn't worried about it. Uh, I always, so if I was pulled over, I always had a plan to like, I would piss or shit my pants so that if you came to me, I'd be like, yo, I was trying to go, and I pissed my pants. Would you let me off? And if not, what do you think a valid excuse would be? Uh, absolutely. Speeding? If you sh- if you f- if you went through with it and shit your <laughs> pants, you're get you're getting off for sure. Uh, we actually, it's funny you bring that up. We actually had an officer who actually ended up going viral because she was like filming herself during the tra- people do weird stuff, yeah. like traffic collisions or traffic stops, but she had shit herself. The officer did? No. Oh. <laughs> oh. The the person he had stopped had shit herself prior to the traffic stop. Oh, wow. So she had shit herself, and she was driving fast because she shit herself. She, she shit herself. <laughs> like anyone would yeah, be, yeah. you know. This is a, this is a tragedy. <laughs> and uh, she, <laughs> he was a new officer, and he actually ended up still giving her a ticket. Oh. And, um, <laughs> and uh, she was like, but I shit myself. <laughs> and uh, we all gave him, we all gave him uh, shit at the station. We're like, dude, you couldn't have let her go, man. She, yeah, that one I think the worst day of her life. Yeah, and you got a ticket. Mm-hmm. Um, so March 4th, 1993, Varro Hawaiian Gardens jumps a black man while he was walking down the street. Four gang members surround him and threw him to the ground. They taunted him with racial slurs while repeatedly kicking him in the head. He was survived but hospitalized with a fractured cheekbone from the beating. March 5th, 1993, another black family was targeted targeted with racial slurs and threats on the side of their house. A few hours later, three black men in a car fired shots at a Latino man who was shouting racial slurs at them. Gannon. Yes. Why do you think gangs don't come together and go against white people or the cops as a solid unit? 
too much trauma in the past or their real goals are just making money, not unifying their race, social class, or I'm not trying to lead you in any questions. Those are just kind of what I always kind of think. Yeah, I think the the goal is obviously money. So yeah. think think about, we were talking about earlier, how gangs or how gang members even get into the gang. It's really people who have low income. Broke, scared. You know, their their poverty. Their goal is just getting money. Mm-hmm. You know, that's they're out committing robberies. Why? Because they get money. They're out stealing your catalytic converter. Why? Because they're getting money. So I think the goal for any gang is profit and mm-hmm. money. Just like a, it's almost like a business. Yeah. It's a. Some of them are not very well run businesses, yeah. but it's it's a business. It's like if Burger King was in the neighborhood, and instead of making sure McDonald's never came in, they just went and beat up every McDonald's person. Exactly. So if you see a lot of inner gang gang on gang violence, is from people encroaching on their territory and they're you know they want to protect their area you know that's where they're making make their money, money. Yeah. exactly so i think the only it's not really profitable to be racist you know what i mean True. like you know you don't see like a white supremacist gangs out you know shooting black people because they're making money you know what i mean if that happens just because they're racist yeah. or whatever you know so i think that's probably why we don't see like unification for yeah you know I mean, that's the thing about this gang that we talked about earlier. It's like most, I mean, there's obviously, these aren't the only crimes that this gang have, but these are the most publicity and they all seem to be racially targeted because right. they seem to be just normal fucking, because it's never like, you know, rival gang, black gang member. It's just a guy walking down right. the street that they smash his fucking head into. March 6, 1993, Vario Hawaiian Gardens gang member created a Molotov cocktail and went to a dominantly black block and threw the firebombs at a house. This was the fifth hate crime out of six Days during that particular week in that particular city, they threw the mo- uh, Molotov's cocktails through a sliding glass door. Horrible, horrible, horrible. They also tagged the house with racial slurs and thoughts of violence. Six hate crimes in six days. Have you ever heard of another case where someone or some group went on a rampage like that? Not as far, not like hate crimes like that. Yeah, That's... but any kind of rampage. There's a guy who's like, like the guy I think you said those boys had three robberies back to right. back to back. So to you'll, back. you'll you'll get series like you'll. In fact, we there was a guy who was hitting all over. He was hitting in Long Beach. He was hitting in Costa Mesa. He was hitting. It was all Seven Elevens. He was robbing them all, and uh, that was one where it was like that's that's on a, a bolo, a be on the lookout. Mm-hmm. That's that's countywide. Like everyone's looking for this green Mustang that this dude's driving because like you know it's gonna happen in your city because it was happening so often. Um, that's probably the most recent one. But there are there are people who out you know right now catalytic converters are huge. Yes, you know it, it's hitting every city no matter what. You know that's a big thing we're out looking for is hitting in the res tracks at night looking for people stealing catalytic converters. You know what's well, a sign that people are look, driving around trying to steal catalytic converters? I mean anyone driving at like two thirty in the morning in a residential track like you know you check the plate or something it comes out of like Baldwin Park or like okay mm. there's something up here. Uh, we recently and they're really hard to catch them because they do it so fast. Uh, we recently did catch one, and, um, you know, they were blacked out in the neighborhood. They stopped, you know, uh, in the middle of the street. So, you obviously, you're, something's up. Yeah. Uh, they had actually already cut it. An officer was watching them the whole time. They didn't know because uh, they're usually high or, yeah. you know, whatever. They've been up for three days. And, uh, exactly what I was going to ask you next. And uh, he did let the crime occur because you have to get him in trouble. You have to get him in trouble pretty much. Um, but then we had set up on it and, and stopped them or whatever, but, uh, they always have like a bunch of saw blades, like a hydraulic jack. They're like professionals. Like they, you know, NASCAR guys. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like they're pretty quick. Like they'll, they'll hawk it, um, 
you know, jack it up and cut it off real quick. And then by the time we're getting a call, hey, there sounds like there's a loud noise outside. They're they're in the wind. So like this one, you know, the green Mustang guy you're talking about yeah. or guys that hit up. You think they're like, you know, I've always, I, I don't know why. I just always had a uh, fascination with criminals and stuff like that. And you think this guy, I mean, I used to do, I used to sell drugs as a kid. I wasn't best guy coming up in the world. <laughs> so this green Mustang guy, you think, but it's over the statute of limitations. That's what I can say. <laughs> this green Mustang guy, you think he's just a fucking moron and doesn't know he should change his fucking car or he's just methed out, has no idea what's going on and kind of lost his goddamn mind. I think it's a little bit of both. Um, we actually think, speaking of guys who are total morons, we had a guy uh, rob the same bank twice uh in back-to-back days uh the second time of course he was caught um recently and that guy has to go down in the the idiot criminal hall of fame like he went there with a note said it was all kinds of like religious stuff but also in parentheses that put the money in the bag like i'm robbing you kind of thing so of course they put the money in the bag and he got away with it he was gone is like, that easy to do? I've so I've also looked into bank robbery, and it's more of you can never let them open anything. You got to take everything just out of their drawers and get out as possibly quick as you can. And that's what he did the first time. They 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 put the money in the bag. You know, he had like thirty thousand dollars or something. No, oh, that's that, pretty that, good that, for, for yeah. yeah for a tweaker. That's gonna that's you, you don't even have to stay at the motel six. Yeah. Like maybe like a Holiday Inn or something. <laughs> and he was gone. He was in the wind. Like we had a we had a plate. It was an out of state plate. We would have found him eventually, but. He could have had some fun with that money. Mm-hmm. You know? Of course, the next day he comes back to the exact same bank. This time he's demanding more money. And uh, the they call the police this time. I don't know why they did it the first time. And they're like, hey, he's here. And they're like, all right, stall him. Just give him more money. Mm-hmm. So he ended up walking out of that bank with like 200 something thousand dollars. Of course, into the, a bunch yeah. of cops, you know. So he went. But what a moron. I mean, what come a moron. on. To get away with, I mean, that's just that meth head crazy shit. He's like, yeah. if I did it once, why don't we do it again? Exactly. October 1996, Martin Mark Hammonds is gunned down while taking a stroll on Norwalk Boulevard by Rudy Villa Jr., aka Gizmo. Gizmo is convicted and sentenced 65 years to life for the hate crime killing. This is noticed as no, noted as the first hate crime committed by the Vara Hawaiian gangs. Uh, solidifying their reputation as a hate gang. Later that month, his family's home was set on fire with their two cars. So I'm going to go to two more, and then I'm going to ask you a bigger question. All right. Late 1996, Michael Bennett, the uncle of Martin Hammonds, is jumped and beaten by Hawaiian Gardens gang members. He survives the attack, but has several of his teeth kicked out during the beating. May 1997, Virgil Henry, a young black man visiting his parents, gets off a bus to head to their house. He is immediately set upon by a group of 10 Latinos, Latinas. He nearly gets away but trips in a strip hall marking lot. The group immediately sets upon him and proceed him to beat him to death. At first, they all continuously kick him while he is down. Then one of the group brings in an aluminum baseball bat, and they proceed to take turns bashing his skull in with the baseball bat. When he is found... Uh, sheriff deputies, when it was found by sheriff deputies, they noted that his skull was visibly caved in upon first glance when they write up the report of the grizzly beating. Um, this is one of the more gnarly things I've ever heard or said yeah. out live. Yeah, that's wild. <laughs> um, not laughing at the man, obviously, just as a nervous reaction to how fucking gnarly is. <laughs> um, I'm going to ask you this one, and I'm probably going to grab us two more beers and take a piss. What's one of the worst crime scenes you've ever come across? And we'll answer that right after this ad. 
All right, that's this week's episode, part one of Varios Hawaiian Gardens. We did it. This show's this episode's been so long in the making. Uh, next week, still have Officer Gannon on, finish, finishing up the story. I'm stumbling on my words because I'm so excited. Part two will be out next week on Monday. Uh, if this one does well, maybe I'll drop it earlier. I don't know. Share this stuff with your friends. Let's grow this podcast. I love all y'all guys. Thanks for coming out. Thanks for checking it out. Officer Garden. Officer Garden. Officer Gannon about the Varios Hawaiian Gardens recorded at the Comedy Store Studios, baby.